0: You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Ask Drone You. I know you're making those comments on Remote ID, and my name is Paul. <laughs>
1: telling those personal stories. And my name is Rob. (laughs) Welcome to the show. I don't even know what number (laughs) show this is. I think it is 1074. Either way, super happy, super thankful that you are spending a few minutes of your day with us. It's very cool. Really do appreciate it.
0: Yes, we do really appreciate it. This is going to be one of those shows that I think everyone's going to learn so much more from Rob than uh, from me. And I'm really excited about that because there's so much information when it comes to business that's up in this guy's head. And and getting at it out of him sometimes is like pulling teeth. So um, <laughs> I'm really, really excited as today we're going to be talking about a question, um, which is when is the right time and what to consider when you want to hire on a new employee? Before we play the question, the question is brought to you by uh, the drone you fly in. Don't forget, a conference with over 20 flight missions. That's right. You're going to be competing against 60 other pilots as you creatively showcase a Netflix studio site, or you can map it and partake in the technical flight missions to understand how to map the most complex environments. If you're like me and you love traveling and having drone adventures that actually pay off, that, that give you real things in return, then you're not gonna wanna miss the drone you fly in, so just go ahead and sign up before it sells out, cause we're like already halfway there and yet it's three months away, and we've never been that full before. So it's nice the word is getting out. So make sure to go sign up right now, droneyouflyin.com. If you feel like you're questioning your skills, your confidence, or you're nervous, we can nix all of that with one day at Flight Mastery. So if you're like, oh, I really wanna to go to that, it sounds like a lot of fun, I just don't know if I'm good enough, you are good enough, okay? Uh, you might just need some special little hacks that will help you be that much better. And if that's the case, then come to Flight Mastery. It's our world-renowned class, the class that's required by the NTSB for their homies. They don't call them homies. homies. <laughs> yeah, they don't call them homies, trust me.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, nor do you the morning of the class. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, what no. Up, homies?
0: Yeah, I definitely do not say that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, just join us. In fact, I still got to talk to uh, Dan Brockett, Officer Dan. Mm. He's not a real officer, uh, but we call him Officer Dan.
1: Just funny. Uh,
0: Yeah. (laughs) He's what everyone hopes a police officer would be. (laughs) So, uh, Which
1: is a non-police officer police officer. (laughs) (laughs) We're calling a spade a spade here, okay? Yeah, so I wanted to speak really, really quickly to the point about how can you come and because it's obviously going to cost you some money to come to the fly-in, but I just feel like there are multiple ways that you can pay that back to yourself, to your business exponentially, right? So you're going to be able to come and learn how to write articles that most people don't know how to do. If you come to the business part of it, you're going to learn from someone who has built an incredibly successful internet business using article writing, mm-hmm. Hayek Kestelu Really, really excited that he's coming. We're going to learn from Paul how to go sell. We're going to do some business masterminding. What?
0: Oh yeah, I know. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah,
1: you're yeah. Thinking. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we didn't record that, so you can't use it. Anyways, we should have, we should. I totally, I agree. <laughs> There's a little inside thing. You'll probably learn about that if you come to the business class, but you're going to learn how to sell from um, somebody that I think is really, really good at it. I think you guys do as well. And that's Paul. And so the, bus- the second day of the business class is masterminding, working with um, Paul and Haya again, and others, each other, to learn how to get the most out of your business and your skill sets, et cetera, et cetera, then you're going to be able to come to a really unique location and build your reel in a way that is going to be um, able to showcase you in a very unique way that very few people will have. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can then take all that information and deploy it and more than pay for coming out to New Mexico to a really cool place in Santa Fe, New Mexico, have a great time. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense. Like, True. Come do it, anyways. True. I'm excited about it, as you can tell. So I I'm hope you guys can come. I'm stoked. I hope you guys stoked. Come.
0: I'm also stoked. How stoked other people are, frankly, if we're being real. Yeah. So,
1: now, and we've got some some of the best uh, sort of help, if you will. That's not doing them justice, but. You know, people like Skydio and Skywatch and people that are coming, Haya, I mean, Drone DJ, you guys all know Haya from Drone DJ, yeah, we that are ac- going to be here. We actually have a lot of power players coming. Yeah. It's exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be incredibly educational. And I want to reiterate, because we've had a lot of questions about this, people that reach out and say, look, you know, you guys are kind of emphasizing the competitive nature of it. That's, <laughs> that's me. he's so competitive. Well, that's because
0: so many people online are like, I'm the
1: best drone pilot Come and prove it. Let's do this. But if you don't want to come and prove it, then just come have fun. I mean, you're going to learn so much. It's a lot of Even through fun. that competitive element, who cares if you don't win? You're winning, right? Just by being there and by being around those guys. And I think from the past – I'm going on and on, so if you're still listening, thank you. But from the past couple of fly-ins, that is probably the most benefit that anybody has said they got from it was the relationships that they built and and I mean talk about another way to pay for it. There have been numerous stories, instances of people saying, Man, somebody I met at the Fly In twenty eighteen, whatever they reached out to me because they knew I was in such and such they had a job I did it for them it was a great deal thank you for having the fly in i mean we get that kind of stuff all the time so i'm going to stop now cuz if that's but not enough made, reason for you to come uh, sure and
0: we're and we're going to you know get right to the question but i think you make a good point while i am focusing on the competitive nature i think everyone knows if you've watched this show more than once you know i'm rather competitive but that will not detract from the unbelievable amount of fun that we'll have look we tried to create an experience that you will not only learn from and retain a great amount of information from, but that you will have unintended positive consequences Mm -hmm. that I don't think it's hard to really um, verbalize.
1: Yeah, and and by the way, if you've never been to, well, New Mexico number one, but Santa Fe specifically, there's actually going to be some of the weekend here in our office in Albuquerque, but the weekend part of the weekend if you will, is in Santa Fe and if you've never been there, look it up and you'll see that I think it's probably in the top 10 places to visit in the world, depending on the list that you look at Mm -hmm. because it is very unique and it is very cool. My wife and I like to drive the 45 minutes north that it takes us to get there and spend a weekend there because it's just a lot of fun. It's very unique and uh, the place that we've got for everybody to stay, is right there on the plaza the main part of santa fe it's just going to be a great time man i just keep going on and on i'm really right. sorry all right <laughs> rob's <really> excited
0: <laughs> drone let's hear the question
1: all right <laughs> Hey, Paul and Rob, Tom Powers out here in Idaho I had a question for you. I wonder if you may be able to give some advice or maybe some business uh, ideas on when it is the appropriate time to start adding either one or more full-time employees to the business. Any uh, thoughts you could uh, give us on that would be greatly appreciated. Thanks much and love what you guys are doing for the community. Thank you, Tom. Um, one of the things. So, number one, thanks for taking the time to send your question in. I love the question, obviously. Love that you took the time. Love that I think that there are a lot of people out there that are having the same question, or they've thought about it, and they're hoping to get to that point. People on different uh, parts on the on the business plane that they're on, but I also know that Tom is pretty active in the DroneU community on Facebook, and I really appreciate that as well because I, I see you being real active, and that's uh, that's cool. It it matters in the right way, though, too. Oh to- well, yeah, totally, totally. I wouldn't mention it if it was in the wrong way. Just FYI. <laughs> But just so you guys know, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he, he asked a good question. And one of the
0: questions that I want to ask on top of that, uh, before you go down that rabbit hole, when you're bringing someone on your team, should you go right into having an employee or mm. should you rather, um, you know, see if it's the right relationship, figure out the systems and bring that person on as a contractor, mm. And why is that a big difference?
1: Yeah, well, it's a very important question. And frankly, you have to be careful. I have to be careful how you answer that. We'll start with how I answer that, but then how more importantly you answer that for your business because of the laws and the regulations surrounding the answer to that question. So let's just get rid of that question right away. And that is, in order to even have the option of, bringing somebody on as a contractor, otherwise known as a 1099 employee, then they have to meet certain criteria. I'm not going to go into all that criteria now, but you can find it online, obviously, but there are some pretty um, easy to miss gotchas. Where you don't want the Department of Labor, you don't want the IRS coming after you saying you should have done this based on X, Y, and Z variables that you totally ignored, tried to get this person on as a 1099 employee so you could get out of paying your payroll taxes, which might not be why you did it, probably isn't why you did it, but if you're not careful, you can get caught now. If you're a really, really small business, the odds of you getting noticed are probably pretty slim. And I I just want
0: to caveat something really quick because I've made mistakes with taxes. And I want to be the first to say that, like, I do not know taxes. And I think for anyone to try to have a very deep intellectual uh, understanding of any industry vertical, I don't think it's possible to do that and understand taxes Mm. as they are both very deep intellectual ideological rabbit holes that you could go down. Yeah. And I would also say, you know, you you mentioned that um, they may say that you're trying to avoid payroll taxes. One of the things, again, that, that we learned is that if you hire a contractor, I don't think it's DOJ, is it, I don't think it's DOJ, it's the other agency, there are rules that you have to follow. If you hire a contractor, like, for example, you can't give them set hours, you have right. to have a flex schedule. There are some other rules as well. And I just wanted to touch on that really quick yeah, before no. you kept bursting past
1: <laughs> information because it's really good. No, that's actually the exact point. You just have to know what the criteria are to determine whether or not you even are eligible or they are eligible to be a 1099 employee as a well, let I'm kind of mixing terms there. a 1099 worker <laughs> as opposed to like a W2 employee uh, that you know the, the kind of employee structure that most of us are probably used to. Although with this audience, that may not be the case. There's probably a lot of 1099 work going on with the audience that we have. So, Or, or W-9, depending on how they have things structured. Well, the W-9 is the form that you fill out that leads to the 1099. See, I so told you I didn't know all, about taxes. <laughs> that's connected. <laughs> that's connected. <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah. So um, I like the thought, if you're in a place where you have some flexibility, you have some tasks, or even some engagements, some projects, whereby there's specific types of expertise that you need help with, either because you don't have time, or because you don't have the expertise, and so you bring somebody on, not as an employee, but as a contractor, and you say, this is my task, and you should have a contract with them, technically, that says this is the task, And or the project, and if you have that environment, then going with the contractor/slash 1099 person makes a lot of sense. Um, And it's actually a great way to determine whether or not that person is a good fit, which is what you alluded to when you asked the question in the first place. So, definitely something to consider. It can be more of a short-term project-based analysis of that person and of that need, frankly. Whew, there's actually a lot to get into on this, and and we probably won't get into all of it. I think...
0: Is this something that you talk about in the business course? Because a lot of people do not know that we have one of the
1: longest business courses, like, as far as, you know, in the drone world, the drone industry. Yeah, so Tom and others, if you haven't listened or watched that part of the business class, then you should certainly do that. But, you know, kind of just maybe a little bit more philosophically answering the question. Let's start there. One of the things that we've learned and I think probably all of you or most of you know is that it's really, really important that you don't just work in your business, but you work on your business. So one thing I would say is if it's starting to feel like you don't have time to work on your business, I think that's a good thing to pay attention to in terms of I probably should start thinking about or looking at getting help with some of the tasks that have to be done for the business that I have, right? And one of the things that we've done, and um, our partner Tim, who you all should know, um, he's gotten really good at picking people out of sort of the internet world, be it Upwork, be it other avenues. And we have found some amazing people that have been with us for years through that avenue. And so that's a one way that you can go as well, particularly if it's something that can be done um, remotely. Which obviously there's a lot more of that going on in our world nowadays, particularly with uh, the way the Millennials think and want to work. And I can totally understand why. So, What about Generation Z? Because
0: I feel like they're the ones that when everyone talks about Millennials, I really feel like everyone's talking about Gen Z and not Millennials. Because people need to remember, we're the generation that didn't have cellular connected smartphones at the age of 12. We're the last generation who understands the importance of kids growing up outside with independence. Like, mm. you
1: know, Yeah, no, that's fair. It's just, I guess the reason I would say millennials at this juncture as opposed to Generation Z is that Gen Zers aren't quite into the workforce yet. Yeah. Right, so that's, that's my only distinction there, but that's why I use millennials. So anyways, I think that's a really good indicator. So when you sort of feel that internal man, I just don't have time to do X, Y, and Z on my business, be it writing articles. Some of the things that you'd learn if you come to the business class, I promise not to go down that rabbit trail. But when you start to have those feelings and you start to see that you're just so busy working on things that you have to get done for clients, et cetera, you don't have time to market. Because one of the things that you might find in the business cycle, and I learned this a long time ago from a mentor of mine relative to the mortgage company that we had, is if you find yourself getting Really, really busy and doing a lot, a lot of loans, for example, and then you're working on those loans so much that you forget to network and market. Then the sales cycle. The, it is just the sales cycle, yeah. right? And it covers all industries, right? And so you'll start to see that perhaps. To finish what he was saying, though, you have this long...
0: Down trough where yeah. you're working and you're not bringing in new business. right? So you essentially, you know, you get that huge payday, but then you're broke again for three weeks because you didn't have some... or three
1: months when you have a long cycle like the mortgage business.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, and then, you know, you're back to square one, whereas if you had these autonomous systems, and that's part of what I'm teaching at the the business course for the fly-in, if you have these autonomous systems, it really, really makes getting business easier. But there are all also, autonomous habits that if you create in my opinion personally
1: that you can be quote-unquote always selling mm-hmm. uh, without even true. thinking about it true and, and that's something that is particularly relevant today with the many many ways that that is possible so absolutely you're right that can mitigate that particular issue quite a bit the other thing that comes to mind in terms of okay thinking this through when should I bring somebody on whether it be 1099 or employee um, I think when you, number one, I am going to make the assumption that customer service is really, really important to all of you. Um, let's, why is it important to you? Why do you think that it,
0: that, why do you think that customer service is so important that you had to just say that?
1: Well, to, it's important to me because it's part of my mission. It's part of what I care about. And that is improving the lives of other people, the the lives of those that we serve through, this organization or any organization that I'm a part of, that's the why, that's why we do this. So if we're failing in that, then something is broken and needs to be fixed. And so I bring it up because again, assuming that that is foundational to your operation, your business, then when you start to feel that you're maybe not getting back to somebody as quickly and, or you just uh, don't have the opportunity to take care of all the leads that you have, et cetera, then, well, at that point, you're probably past the need to get um, some help, whatever form that comes in. Now, as I say that, I'm reminding myself that you've got to have some ability to foresee that somewhat, right? So for example, in our case, I remember some of our early conversations years ago saying, once we get to this level of membership, it's pretty clear that we're going to need help. Now, we blew <laughs> by that. Here's the funny part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least we had the conversations. And then for various reasons, we made decisions not to actually act on that, which, you know, could be argued they're the wrong decisions at the time. But nonetheless, there was some projecting of where we want to go once we get there based on the activity that we foresee coming into our um, business, be it customer service needs, et cetera. then we're going to need to have somebody help us with that. And so foreseeing that is really, really important, trying to stay ahead of that so you can continue to serve your customers at an exceptional level. And I mean exceptional level, under-promise, over-deliver every single day. Obviously, we're going to fail. We fail at that. You know what's hard about all this is that as someone who's as passionate
0: as I am, all those points you just hit, I, I, it, its it's so hard to verbalize how important it is to like religiously follow those points that you just made. Because it's not, you know, you follow, pick a couple and figure out if it works. In order for it to work, you have to consistently be doing all of those things. Yeah. It's not a mutually exclusive bit.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like relationships are everything. Treating people right is everything. Setting boundaries is everything. Mm-hmm. Not overpromising is everything because you lose your reputation. It I is. think it's difficult for a lot of people to understand the long term consequences if you don't do these things. And that's why you have very unsuccessful people saying, oh, I tried everything. And it's like, yeah. but did you really? Did you really try it to a T? Did you really apply yourself? Because there's a huge difference, as Gary Vee says, huge difference between knowing
1: and doing. Duh, that's true. Boy, he's got all kinds of little quips and very I, deep wisdom. I like, huh? li- I like listening to Gary Vee. I do too. So. I like that he's short and succinct and what he says is generally pretty powerful. And I also
0: like that he's kind of arrogant and he
1: doesn't care. Now, why would you like that, Paul? <laughs> uh. <laughs> so a couple other things in terms of answering this question, Tom. So what does your future look like for your business? And what I mean specifically by that is we've talked to somebody recently who is in the um, federal contracting world. And he now knows that he's going to have work for the next six to seven years. And he's been working on those proposals, and he's been working on setting that all up. So if you're in a situation where you know there's a great path for you to go down to serve a particular segment of the industry, and you can foresee that happening, but you're going to, so I guess what I'm saying is number one, if you see that, then obviously you need to start bringing in help. Be careful not to do it too late. I think that it's better to maybe be a little early on that and take some risk. The business is about taking mitigated, calculated risk, right? So I would look at that as, boy, there's this opportunity. If I try to take it, and then once I get to this certain point, then I'm gonna bring somebody in to help me. Well, number one, you haven't had that person to sort of be a part of building that up, part of the team, part of the culture, so that it's running smoothly from the beginning once it ramps up. I think bringing somebody in later once it's already ramped up is more difficult. It's, uh, you know these principles. It, it, it's just not a, an easy formula. It's kind of like raising a kid, right? There, it didn't come with them it. This goes back to <laughs> habits, she... build routines, build systems. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Can I want to ask you a question though? Because you yeah. kind of you. I
0: I haven't seen you this excited in a while, and it's, it's exciting. <laughs> um, is there a formula in figuring out what a task is worth? Meaning let's say I want to hire someone, let's say I go Upwork contractor style. And let's say I need to have someone reaching out for podcast advertisements, like Alyssa's working on, and it's taken me forever to build that system. And I have someone who helps post YouTube videos. And I have someone who helps write articles. Is there a formula that would help me understand where I can best apply my money? Um yes. Cost benefit Next analysis question. is that like is no, that No, that's
1: exactly what came to mind is some form of cost benefit analysis. I think that you absolutely can run models like that and and that's very very helpful. I would just be careful when well, you have to understand it's like projections, right? You have to understand that they're not S- psychological projections financial projections thank you (laughs) sorry yeah (laughs) we have very deep conversations that drone you (laughs) (laughs) thank you i uh i just you know you need to be careful because you're using estimates and so again um you don't want to get too far along based on the thing about... You don't want to get too far along based on what? Well, I, yeah, finish the thought. You don't want to get too far along based on these projections and then realize, crap, I miscalculated on my projections, right? Mm, and so that's where that I, I think me. comes back to uh, to maybe taking a little risk So so in
0: in taking risk, you understand where the value is? Is that what you're saying? It's kind of learned by doing trial by fire?
1: Yeah. So I think when you're doing projections or when you're running models and formulas like you're referring to, you want to be conservative to whatever side that is in terms of the decision that you're trying to make. And so even... So I think maybe the intuition would be if I'm running a model of this potential new business opportunity or this new channel within the kind of work that I'm able to do and I see this opportunity, well, I'm gonna be conservative and say, I wanna bring somebody on no later than when I reach this threshold, which I think is gonna come six months from now. I think the conventional wisdom might say, okay, let's be conservative and call it eight months. Well, I might say, at least consider, let's be conservative and call it four months. Like flip that on its side because like a professor that I had in college who was my favorite professor ever, and we've talked about this, is the people I think that can be most successful in terms of analyzing information and making related decisions. They have the ability to see both sides. And so obviously, for example, like in our world nowadays, we're so polarized in our country politically as an example the people I like talking to and interacting with and spending time with are the people who can have a conversation and see the benefits of both sides. And there are benefits to both sides. I don't care. I have the, uh, yeah, you don't
0: care. You don't care. Sorry.
1: No, I don't care what side you're on because I fall on a side, right? But that doesn't mean I ignore everything over here. And so it's the same kind of thing when you're having – Um, this sort of evaluation in your business, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be conservative because I think based on these numbers and what I've been told I can do and the relationships I'm making, I think by out here, I'm going to be ready to have someone. So I'm going to start here. Well, maybe be a little bit more aggressive with that. Why? Well, um, it's positive thinking. (laughs) Number two, maybe that person helps you get here in six months instead of eight months. So the point is, you've got to be thinking of it in those terms, I believe, and then making decisions according to Now, the bottom line is you either have the funding or you don't. I mean, we have to be realistic about it as well, right? I mean, that's something that we deal with. We,
0: yes. Why, okay. I'm going to say this right now. I feel this needs to be said. There, It is very real that we're, not we are, but even others are resource limited. Do not confuse that with resourcefulness. You may not have resources. But you can be resourceful and solve problems. Mm-hmm. And I felt a av- I, I felt the need to say that. There right. was another You're point right. that you had made earlier that I wanted to touch on, but I, I've it's it's lost my head. I I've lost that the thought at this moment. But I think you make some really, really solid points. And I think really understanding where the value is and who to work with. I would also say that's one lesson that I've learned through Rob, is when you are working with people. Take all the time in the world to hire, be astute, and take
1: seconds to fire. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's hire slow and fire fast is basically the idea. And, you know, hopefully if you're hiring slow, then you have much less need to fire fast. I mean, that's the obvious conclusion that you... We've uh, uh, we've learned the hard way in some previous businesses that, um, yeah, we weren't very good at that, so... That's yeah, and it's hard. Really to, it,
0: it's hard to be good at everything, and you can't expect yourself to be good at everything. Mm-hmm. And if you're
1: a perfectionist, you're never gonna. You're never gonna. It's never gonna work. Yeah, um, and and it, it could sound like there's a bit of a contradiction there, um, saying everything I've just said, or not everything, but much of what I've just said, and then saying high or slow. Right when I'm saying, project to four months instead of eight months, but those are two different concepts. Right, so that's sort of a timeline, but in terms of finding the right person that's when you really want to make sure that you're taking the time to figure out who that person is and whether they're a good fit for working with you and so forth because as we all know I think if you find somebody that you work well with and that really kind of fills in the gaps that you have in your skills or interpersonal abilities or whatever it's going to be an exponential benefit to you and your business if it is that right person. And and conversely, if it's the wrong person, I mean, it could send you, it could derail you quickly.
0: Yes. Also, I will say another thing that's important that I've learned is that while I do want to create a family like culture in the office, you cannot treat your employees or contractors like family. I mean, Mm. you can treat them like family, but not family, if that makes sense. You, you yes, it, another and that's lesson. a very clear distinction, and that's really hard to understand. And you have to be really intuitive to read into that statement. But, um, you yeah. have to also, I would say, the other biggest thing is never ever hire people or work with contractors unless you are willing to do the work yourself. And mm. I learned that lesson from my grandfather. And I believed it and lived it and thank God that I have because otherwise I would not be here at this moment. But there was one time that uh, my grandfather was on a, a submarine in the Navy and they were going through large 30, 40, 50 foot swells. And, I mean, you know, when you're when you're in a submarine on plane, on the top of the water, you can be in a wave for maybe 20, 30 seconds at a time mm-hmm. as the wave goes through the vehicle itself. Well, they needed to fix their communications light, which would go underwater. And a commander went up to my grandfather and said... Uh, he, he said, you know, uh, I need Staff Sergeant, I need you to go out and replace the communications light as we're unable to communicate with the rest of the fleet, et cetera." He says, I need you to send someone out there and get it done. And, uh, my grandfather comes in like 30 minutes later, soaking wet, uh, pretty, uh, pretty much almost suffocated while doing this mm-hmm. and just uh, evident that it, it had taken a lot out of him. And, uh, the commander yelled at my grandfather and he said, he said, why did you go out there? I did not ask you. I asked you to send someone. Mm. And my grandfather looked him in the eye and he said, sir, you never send someone to go do a job that you're afraid of.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's great. That's so deep. In fact, Laws of Human Nature, chapter 15, it ends the chapter talking about that and how important that is Mm -hmm. that you take that perspective. So totally, totally agree. And you know, one other thing just kind of popped into my head as sort of a last point on this subject. And that is when you're deciding about whether or not to bring somebody on, um, do you have the infrastructure? Meaning, do you have it created or at least on the path of being created about what they're going to do or have you thought at least about how they're going to help you in that? Right? So does that make sense? If you're bringing somebody on how much of you is it going to take to get them up and running and how much of the equation does that answer need to be? I hope that makes sense because when you hire somebody, it's going to take some of your time to get them up and running to do what you need them to do in the way that you need them to do it. So just make sure you understand that as well. And maybe you've already created an infrastructure, and it's just a matter of plugging the right person in. Well, then that probably is a good sign that you're ready to bring somebody on as well. Hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. Bring them in. Ah, thanks. That's fun. Hope it's helpful. Follow-up questions. Love follow-up questions, Tom. Ooh, that was a
0: good one. Well, uh, Rob, thank you. No, my Uh, pleasure. Years and decades of insight.
1: I mean... Lots of hard lessons is what that's about.
0: Well, that's why Einstein (laughs) says the only true wisdom is knowledge gained from experience, which is like one of our mottos here at DroneU. It's true. Uh, Anyway, that's going to do it for us today. Hopefully you will leave us a review or share the show so someone else can find it and help them out. Don't you like helping other people? Then go ahead and share and leave a review or subscribe to the show. We greatly appreciate having you here. If you are thinking about how to take your skills to the next level, don't be afraid to become a member of DroneU. Don't forget, members get access to all the classes, including Rob's business class. I think, as you know, and just listening to this, it might be worth taking a look at. Become a member today. DroneU.education. My name is Paul. My name is Rob. This is Ask DroneU. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community.